What's up, people? Welcome back to Respect the Grind. I have very special guest Phoebe here. She is an amazing entrepreneur. I wanted to interview because I get a lot of reach outs from people. I like to go and find my own guests, to be honest. I, I'm I'm hiring somebody to do that now, but I got to teach them what I like and the kind of guests that I want to have on my show. I like people like Phoebe that are putting in the work, that have done things, right? Phoebe's worked with high-level entrepreneurs, high-level CEOs, and she's like one of these people that is in the top of the room. You know, she's like relevant at what she does. Not to say that people aren't relevant, you know, that they shit, that they don't fit or that they don't belong on different podcasts. Just not this show. I'm going to be honest with y'all. I want to have the people on that are killing it, that are doing it, that are great at what they do. Phoebe, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. So today we got to talk a lot about peak performance. Before we get too deep on peak performance, you've worked with some seven-figure companies. Mm -hmm. Can you just describe what that experience was like? Like when you're, because that's like top of the food chain, right? Like what was that feeling like being in that kind of space? Yes. Yeah, so I was one of the key um, pieces to any entrepreneurial company. I worked as what's called an integrator, which is the kind of glue that keeps the organization together and is responsible for moving the organization's initiatives forward. And so what I started out doing was in um, essentially this business consulting role where I'd come into the organization, I'd do kind of like an audit of where things are at, um, what pieces need to be cleaned up, what pieces need to be uh, replaced, what need pieces need to be fixed so that the organization can grow. And so I had my hands in essentially every role of business of this person's business. Um, so kind of the, the central glue to hold everything together. So it's very, uh, very much wearing many hats, very much wrangling the entrepreneur, uh, being able to be knowledgeable in multiple areas. So it's, it's a chaotic environment. See, when I hear of juggling, like wearing multiple hats, that always makes me think of being unfocused and distracted. Mm -hmm. But I do think we need people like you because somebody has to do that part of like bringing mm -hmm. everybody together and putting the stuff together because mm -hmm. it could be a lot of good ideas, a lot of good strategies, a lot of good systems. But if there's not a thing connecting them, it will kind of just fall apart. You know, so people like you and what you do are really important. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's kind of like a filter, right? So because I'm not the specialist, I don't get too attached to any one department. And I'm able mm. to look at everything from a high level overview and see the things that a lot of the specialists are unable to see because they see them from their particular lens. Uh, so in that case, and in this environment, a sort of jack of all trades is very valuable. Now, granted, that wouldn't be the case for something specialized like a CFO or or um, uh, head of marketing or whatever. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Because I, I realize that's kind of how I am in my agency, where I'm just the podcast guy. Like, that is all I want to do. Now, I do collaborate with, you know, copywriters or um, somebody in sales. I'm going to collaborate and connect with them. But I kind of like going back to my corner and just focusing on my thing. That's mm -hmm. my sweet spot. And I found my thing I'm supposed to do with my life. And I got to say, I just, I love that part. Like, I don't want to be everywhere else. I have fun in my little corner focusing on the kind of microphones and making sure it looks good and sounds good. Like, that's my expertise. And I've found ways to just double down on that. So, like, do you like being the glue person to kind of keep it together? So, I did, yes. Um, it 
so because most people like to be the specialist, right? The podcaster loves podcasting. The entrepreneur loves usually vision. Um, the salesperson loves sales. Um, because I'm, I'm what you would call a multi-passionate, um, I enjoy having my hand in all the cookie jars. It's fun for me. It's, uh, it is never the same thing twice, right? Um, another element you might look at if you're familiar with human design, my human design is the projector, which is the person that is the strategic person that looks at all the pieces and is able to put them together. So it made sense for not only my personality, but also just my, my interests. So yes, I did enjoy it. However, <laughs> it was very frustrating at times and it's why I ultimately made the switch from business sort of consulting or business strategy to what I do now. So what was that transition like to where, you know, you were leaving that and now you're going out on your own. I know that's really terrifying for a lot of entrepreneurs. Like how was that transition phase for you? Yeah. So I did what a lot of entrepreneurs do, which I started my business on the side while I still had yeah. my current business. So it was extremely hectic. Uh, and that's why you got to kind of um, be careful what you wish for, because <laughs> I wanted to, you know, make a lot more money, but I did it at the sacrifice of my sanity and my health. And I knew that there was an end in sight, but the problem is if you don't define when that end point is, then you never want to stop, right? Because having yeah. these two businesses was very lucrative. And the thought of just walking away from one and taking a pay cut is really stressful. I know, right? Because that's such a change when you're making money in both places and you're putting time in both places to so just drop one and run this way. That's, mm -hmm. that is kind of terrifying as well. And I agree. I understand where you're coming from with that. And so now that you're you're outside of that corporate world, what is it that you're known for now? Like, what's that high level expertise that people see you for now? So when I was doing the business strategy stuff, what I saw over and over was that the ability for business strategy to be effective was very dependent on the mindset of the entrepreneur. So I could have the best strategy in the world, but if that entrepreneur had a mindset block around it, or he was, you know, in, in his subconscious committed to his misery or committed to the way that he was doing things or emotionally attached, right? There, I wasn't, there was nothing I could do. I couldn't break through that. There was no amount of reasoning, no amount of proof that was going to be able to overcome something like that. So after seeing this time and time again and not being able to be fully effective, which for someone like me, effectiveness and achievements very important, I realized I had to make a change because this was just too frustrating uh, to, to, to do over and over. So I made the switch to looking at mindset. Um, not only for myself, for personal reasons, I had, it was kind of simultaneous that me personally, I was going through that and then recognizing that this is what's holding back the, all of these business owners. That's what sort of made the, had me make the switch. So I took my business skills and I melded that with mindset and peak performance to create a more effective approach to scaling business. Mm, I like the way you put that um, mindset and peak performance to scale business. I can tell you worked on that a lot. I could, I could catch it. I like it. That's impressive. That is a really good little elevator pitch right there. I love that because I think that the mindset part is overlooked 
I, I think we had kind of a phase in the last maybe it was like 2016 and 2018 where mindset was huge it was everywhere and then I think it kind of got boggled down a little bit because there were different people selling courses or coaching programs the prices were crazy and it became like a negative thing and it became taboo to talk about but I still think entrepreneurs need that because to me if you say you're an entrepreneur that means you're willing to say I have an idea I have inspiration and I want to make something that could possibly change the world. That means I'm probably not going to have a normal job, a normal lifestyle, a normal anything. But I want to go and do this thing because it's just something burning inside of me. And if you're that kind of person, you have to have a different outlook on the world to live that life. So for you, when you're working with your clients, where do you start? Like, where do you like really get them started on improving that mindset from mm -hmm. step zero to step one? Yes. So the initial is, is an audit kind of of everything that's going on, because the way that I approach coaching with my clients is I look at two things. The first is, how are you thinking? And then how are you operating? Right? Because my background is in operations and I'm no fool to think to your point, right? That mindset fixes everything and you just have to think properly and everything will work out, right? And that's kind of the narrative <laughs> yeah. that came onto the market not so long ago and turned a lot of people off, right? So the work that I do is very much grounded in reality and grounded in action because that's my background, right? So mm -hmm. we, we look at first separating because the thing about what we're experiencing is it all feels emotional and we don't recognize that there is an operational piece to it and there is an emotional piece to it or a mindset piece to it. So first we got to separate those out because we tend to make everything emotional. And in reality, there's usually some sort of reason in your behavior or how you're operating that this thing that you're feeling or that you're experiencing. So that's the first step. That's so important to kind of look at where you are, because I think limiting beliefs are really what stopped me personally for a long time. And I didn't realize how limiting they were until I started like kind of talking to myself in a way and I would catch mm -hmm. it like, wow, why are you thinking negatively like that? Yeah. When you repeat it back, you're like, oh, wait, why am I thinking that way? That's not really necessary. It's a really weird thing. But once you do it, you kind of realize, man, I have some real work to do up here. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think sometimes we focus on the out, outer world a lot not realizing that we got to fix what's up here first, because then the outer world becomes way easier to conquer in a way. So yes. if that's, if that's where we start, what's kind of the next step? What's the next part where you're like, okay, we figured out your problems and where you mm -hmm. are mentally now. What's mm -hmm. that next step in the process? Yeah. So once we have the awareness, then we actually know what we're working on, right? Because to your point, when you don't have that awareness, you get stuck spinning your wheels, thinking you need something that you don't actually need. And this is why we get people cycling through courses and cycling through coaches and cycling oh, through books and programs and miracle mornings and habit stacking and all of that. <laughs> They're seeking answers. And in reality, it's a lack of awareness of what problem you're trying to solve that causes you to not get the answers that you want. And that's the loop that I was stuck in for a long time, right? And that's what I saw over and over. So with the awareness and the proper diagnosis, we can actually create a strategy to work towards that. And that strategy includes two parts, looking at fixing the operations and fixing the mindset. 
And, and that's kind of the journey that I take my clients on. Okay. Okay. And how do you deal with just the way people perceive mindset? Because mm-hmm. I find that a lot of entrepreneurs still have a negative perspective on it, that where if you tell them that they need to change their mindset or improve their mindset, it's almost like disrespectful. They're like, I don't need to improve my mindset. I'm fine. I think perfectly. It's mm-hmm. kind of like, it's an uphill battle. So how do you deal with the negative perception of that in your sales process specifically? Because I know that's probably a challenge. Well, you know, I must just attract the people that maybe aren't so much uh, turned off by that concept. But one of the ways that I would talk about it is if you're struggling with doing, not doing what you know you should be doing. And that's, I'm not saying anything about mindset in that statement, but I think anybody listening to this can relate to that in some way, shape or form, whether it's not eating the way that you know you should be, not exercising the way you should be, not showing up for your business or your clients the way that you know you should be. That is a mindset issue. And the sad thing is if we don't relate it to mindset, what are we going to do? We're going to blame and shame ourselves. And that's the cycle I see so many people in. And then what does that do? That leads to force. We are forcing the outcomes that we want. And that leads to burnout. And the whole cycle is completed at that point. (laughs) Yeah. You just mentioned like three or four. Oh my goodness. Yeah. That's me for sure. I was really bad on myself with like not showing up when I was supposed to or in certain ways. Mm -hmm. And then I would feel like I didn't deserve the outcome I wanted. And it was so weird. It was another thing I had to catch myself doing. Like, why am I telling myself I don't deserve this client or to close this deal? Like, for what reason? And I think we're often told to be hard on ourselves because there's this belief that if I'm hard on myself, that makes me stronger. And it really Mm -hmm. is the opposite. It makes you weaker. Yeah. It kind of slows down that progress that progress you're making towards what you want because now you're telling yourself you don't actually deserve all the stuff that you want. Mm-hmm. It's it's such a weird way that we kind of um as entrepreneurs we deal with the process of creating what we want to create in the world. We mm-hmm. make it really really hard and I think that's most of our problem is we're in our own way. Since I learned how to start getting out of my own way, it's just been slow progress consistently. So I, I love people like you having this conversation, man. It makes it so much easier because now I know I'm on the right track. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You've been doing mindset work without realizing it. Um, and, the, and the thing about what you just said is the mindset that got you here won't get you there. And so when a lot of entrepreneurs start out, at least if you're like me, you start out with nothing. In fact, you might have negative, yeah. <laughs> which is my yeah. case. And so to get through that period, you do have to sort of put on this armor, compartmentalize, do some forcing, you know, all of those things that we think of in in the early days, right? But then at some point, you have to let go of that because it's not sustainable. But you have trouble letting go of that because you know deep down that that mentality was what got you to where you are. And so you hesitate to let go of that, even though it's the very thing that's in your way. I call that phase right there the grind stage. I think every entrepreneur has a grind stage now. I think it depends on what you're doing, how long you're doing it, Mm -hmm. the consistency. Like if you're doing an hour or two per day, you're going to make progress a lot faster. Your grind phase won't be as long as a person that's doing like a couple hours a week, right? Because I think that first year to 
maybe the third year of entrepreneurship, like that first couple years is the hardest time. You're figuring things out. You're figuring out business. You're figuring out everything. You're just trying to figure it all out. But if you can get past like the two and a half year, three year mark, that's when it takes off. And that's when you need to let go. I love that you broke it down that way. So let's talk about peak performance, right? I'm pretty sure you got a list of a bunch of ways people can perform at their highest level. What's one of those strategies? Well, what I do is I have people look at all areas of their life, sort of a wheel of life exercise, right? Uh, probably we're all familiar with the wheel of life where we just are looking at all of the different areas and what the vision is for each area. And then what we do is we pick one to three of those areas to work on at any given time. So it's different for everybody as far as what everybody needs. And i this is one of the most important things of the work that I do is that there is no dogma in this work. It is very much about what you need and what works for you, right? So hmm. how many of us listening to this have read the books, listened to the podcasts, have all the knowledge in the world, but still not getting the results that we want? Because Miracle Morning maybe works for 10% of the people that read it, but what about the other 90%? Uh, counting macros works for, you know, 10% <laughs> of the people that find out about it. But what about the 90%, right? So part of the my work with people is helping them to discover a sort of life stack of things that works for Ooh, them. And like that's that. ultimately the journey that I went. That's a bar. Life stack? Oh, that's <laughs> nice. A life stack. That's way better because I think when people hear certain terms like, They've become buzzwords like yes. better habits or be consistent. It's like, what does that mean? I like, know. And I think life stack just sounds more digestible because I, I think that's more of what it is, is changing what you do. <laughs> like for me, I don't even believe in morning routines personally. I, I like doing certain things in the morning, but if I don't do those things, I can still do it because it's now part of my lifestyle. Right, Like one thing I have to do in the morning, I got to get up and stretch. I'm over 30 now. So I'm trying to make sure my body stays in shape and I can still move around and all the good stuff. So if I don't stretch at six o'clock in the morning, that's okay. I just do it at 945. I, it can mm -hmm. still get done because it's a part of my lifestyle. I love that phrase, that terminology used there. I think that's part of being a good entrepreneur too, is a small little tidbit, is making your own terminology. That's that's a good trick because then it kind of becomes, it becomes attached to your name and stuff. That's really good. That's branding right there. Yeah. The branding lexicon. Yeah. And the, and the, and the thing is too, there's no, typically no thing that works for you forever. And so if you're in this mentality of, I got to hit this checklist of what successful people do, like, oh yeah, it's, 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 it's a good approach when you don't know yet what you need. It's good for the exploratory phase, but we have to have an end to the exploratory phase and then a implementation phase of like, this is what I'm going to embody. This is what I'm going to, to your point, just make a part of how I naturally operate, right? So for a long time, I was doing a gratitude practice because I needed to learn that. Now it's like, I got too much gratitude. I look out the window and I'm like, <laughs> I just love the blue sky. It's just part of who I am now. Hmm. I think that's part of the growth phase too, is, is 
figuring out what works for you and putting the pieces together is I see people trying to emulate other people's routines and stuff. And it's just, it's kind of crazy. Like some of the stuff I see these entrepreneur guys do on different podcasts and stuff. I'm like, bro, I could never do that. I just, I don't even have the desire to, but even if I had the time, Mm -hmm. I just, I wouldn't even, I don't want to, like, I don't want to wake up at six o'clock so I can do a routine that's last three hours. That is Mm -hmm. such a waste of time to me, you know, Mm -hmm. but I think for some people that's what works. And if that's what works for you to get you that outcome, I I guess it makes sense. Yes, exactly. And that's, that's where I help people to discover that for them because we're so inundated with all of these different methods that it's extremely overwhelming and we have trouble sticking to a method because then we hear about another method and we're like, well, what if that one's better? <laughs> and it's never ending, right? <laughs> it's a cycle where you wake up and you see a new video or it's a new thing like people are drinking a certain type of water or there's a new stretch or it's always something. It's a real trend to like have routines. I thought that part would die off, honestly, it, but it's, I guess it's easy because of the content styles. You could just put a one minute video up and then you'll get people hooked on it. And if mm-hmm. 20 people start doing it, then it just takes over the world. It's so crazy. Yeah. I, I couldn't keep up with that. It's too much. Yeah. There's always new people entering that for the first time that think that that's like new, you know? And so there's enough people like that in the world at any given time, that those little methods can be successful, but they burn people out and that's the problem. And it makes it harder for people that really have good things to say to actually reach those people. I know, right? Like, so how do you feel about burnout? Cause for, for me, I, I feel lucky because I found that I love what I do. So I can work on 10 podcasts at a time and that's easy to me. Mm-hmm. I can be writing a book. I'm working on this course. I do in-person interviews now. I like travel with my backpack of equipment and I do interviews in person now. And like I can work 16 hours in a day and that's not exhausting to me. Mm-hmm. Wake up tomorrow, do it again. Like I actually love what I do. So I don't relate to burnout as much as most people. So for mm. you, I w- not to say that I don't think it exists. I just think there's a way you can work nonstop and still avoid it. But you have to be doing what your thing is. Like, Mm -hmm. what's your perspective on burnout? Well, and this is where it's not dogmatic, right? Because people, there are people out there that will say 16 hours a day under no circumstances is healthy, (laughs) uh, which again, this isn't dogmatic, right? And so this goes comes down to getting that full understanding of how you operate. Uh, There's a really good book called Willpower Doesn't Work. Maybe you've read it. It talks about how there are different ways of operating for different people depending on their strengths. So for me, for example, when I first got into entrepreneurship, I got caught up in the whole work and travel lifestyle. That's a big entrepreneur thing, right? Put your laptop on a mountain and like, you know, work, right? (laughs) And so I did that naturally because that's what my friends were doing. That was the, the common thing, right? I realized very quickly that I do not like mixing travel and fun with work for whatever reason, just not my style. So I work in sprints. So for me personally, I like to be 16 hours a day for like three months and then playing for three months. So for example, start of the new year, I'm I'm gone all of January, half of February, most of March, because I'm coming out of a a sprint that was from when I got back from Europe in September to the new year. (laughs) And that's how I operate. But that doesn't work for everybody. 
Yeah, that wouldn't work for me. I like work too much to just take that much. Oh my God, I couldn't imagine. I could not imagine taking more than like a day at the most. That's the Ooh. most I can give you. Mm -hmm. I, like me going a month without touching my laptop. Oh my goodness. That is just well, a lot. Like where I am still working, but I'm not building. That's the difference for me well, anyway. You know, I actually, I, I can understand that because for me, I kind of mm -hmm. have my phases too, where like I have my creative mode where I'm recording mm -hmm. a bunch of content and then I have my consumption time where I'm just watching yes. a bunch of stuff. Mm -hmm. But then I have times where I don't even listen to music when I'm driving, where mm -hmm. I'm, if I'm deep in the thought in something, it lasts for a longer time than like mm -hmm. a day or a couple hours now. Like it's, it's so crazy. It'll last weeks where every time I get in the car, I have to be just in silence. I'm not sitting and working, listening to music or I have TV in the background. Sometimes I just need that quiet because mm -hmm. I'm trying to make something so much bigger. But the stuff that's come out of that has literally changed my life. So it's probably something I'll be doing forever. But I do like the phases of like, I'm going to work hard and go super hard at this time. And then I'll turn it down because mm -hmm. I, I attribute this to Gary Vee, but I think his narrative of like, if you want this lifestyle and you have to go and work, you have to work and work and work. That's what a lot of people took to heart. And mm -hmm. that's where people burn out because most mm -hmm. people are not built to work like that. Yes. Well, and burnout looks different for everybody too. So to be fair, uh, you know, if, if working 16 hours a day doesn't, doesn't burn you out or maybe you don't even know what burnout looks like for you because you've never hit that point. Um, it's different for everybody. For me, it was health issues. So like, that's, that's how I knew that, that I, this was not sustainable. Um, for other people, it might be extreme fatigue. It might be, um, that they are starting to resent their business. That's a form of burnout. Um, so it just looks different mm -hmm. for everybody. Yeah. I think the health issues got to me too. I had like a, I was like really close to aneurysm, got like hospitalized and stuff. Mm. It was so weird because I was super broke at the time and I was mm. just stressed about being broke and all the stuff mm. I was doing didn't help me make more money or anything. I look back on, I laugh at myself. Like I wasted so much time just running in a circle, like <laughs> doing nothing right Where now. I will literally plan my day out and I plan a nap in the middle of my day too. <laughs> That's awesome. Like, you know what? This is my nap time. And I will literally just go and lay down. Like I just go and take my time off. And 20 minute naps for me are perfect. That's enough for the day. And I'm good to go. I think that's the thing everybody should do is like find their nap time. That is super, <laughs> that's a skill. That's a really good one. Cause when you find that, cause it's like having that rest when you need it, yep. when you get back to work, you are so focused. Like nothing can distract you. And that level of focus for me, it's like my favorite thing in the world. Like mm -hmm. I love being that like dialed in. It's a lot of great things that come from that. You know, do you have like a focus time of the day where you like to work? The early morning. Yeah. When nobody's up to distract you and bother you and stuff. <laughs> I'm one of those 5 a.m. risers. Yeah. I don't know. My brain starts to shut down around two o'clock. <laughs> I know. Right. Like I don't need, I don't even, I don't even take meetings past two. Like I'll do nothing past if I do, it's going to be like light work or whatever, or if yeah. it's like one of those sprint times you were talking about. But yeah, I had a meeting at like six o'clock this morning and I'm like ready to go. I'm good. All I need is 10 minutes to prepare. Like, right. I just think that right there, I think might be one of those lifestyle stacks that you, uh, <laughs> do you put that in your client's thing? Cause that's a good one. I, I like that. 
Yeah, like a tech stack, but for life. I relate everything to business. So we talk about being the CEO of your life, your life stack, your, you know, so I, I use a lot of business terms and relate it to life uh, because that's the terminology that I relate to and a lot of my entrepreneurial clients relate to. <laughs> mm, okay, okay. Another issue I think I see in entrepreneurs when it comes to peak performance specifically is really learning how to like slow down and reward ourselves. Mm -hmm. I think that's a big issue. A lot of entrepreneurs struggle with, and I'm be honest, this is a selfish question. I'm struggling with self rewards. I, I was trying to make a list of like, if I accomplish, if I reach all these milestones next year, how will I reward myself? Mm -hmm. I have like two things on that list and I'm like, man, I don't even know how to reward myself. Like, is that something that you work with your clients on? I do. However, what I think, Chris, a theme for you is, is that you're doing these things without realizing it. And it could be maybe good for you to sit down and look at like, instead of saying, I don't relate to burnout, it's saying I've actually avoided burnout by knowing what works for me. And that's very different. Um, you know, and I think that's really, you know, a reflection on the work that you've put in with all the work that you've done to, to understand yourself and how you operate. You're doing a lot of these things naturally. Um, a lot of us are doing things naturally that we do not even realize is a skill or is a system or is a tool. And it's really important that we recognize those things because then we can make sure that we maintain it into the future. So um, I forget what the original question was, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. This isn't live. I edit it all. I'll, I'll make you sound nice. like the superstar. Trust me. Oh, trust okay. Me. Nice. I think you should write a book and put these kind of things in there of like, just to kind of, I know it's not something that everybody, like, it's not the same for everybody. I, I agree with that. But what I do think is that if you want to be an entrepreneur, there are certain things that you have to have. Mm. If you don't have those traits, I don't think you can reach peak performance. Mm -hmm. Like if you don't learn how to take care of your body, I don't think you as an entrepreneur can reach that highest level. So like every entrepreneur should have a workout plan. Now, mm -hmm. for some people that looks like going hiking for some people, it's swimming, going to the gym, but you've got to have a workout plan. So yes. I, I would love to read a book from you on just those lifestyle stack stuff. Like that would be so good. And that's <laughs> some really good. It's a good theory. Cause I think that's kind of how I think of in like systems and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I just, I would love that stuff being put into like a format. Cause I, I run into those issues so much with my clients in podcasting where they have all these topics they want to talk about. Yeah. We got to condense it. So it's a show that people actually want to listen to, Yeah, you know? And like, I, I find myself doing that same thing of like stacking their topics, but mm -hmm. I've never thought about stacking like different lifestyle things, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's mm -hmm. a, you've given me a different perspective on how to look at this stuff. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm happy to have uh, added some value here. Yeah, this this was a great conversation. I, I, this is why I like doing more of conversations than interviews. Because yeah. I find that the, the episodes I get the best feedback on are when I learn. Because I'm like, the, I look mm -hmm. at myself as an audience member. And mm -hmm. I'm talking to you like I'm one of them. And that just makes the conversation much better than having 25 robotic questions. It's, it's just <laughs> boring that way, to be honest. Like, yeah, To be exactly. honest, it's, it's not that good. Um mm -hmm. But please let the people know what you're up to, where they can find you, how they can work with you, all of that good stuff. 
Yeah. So I actually created uh, recently a free three-part training to walk you through the mindset uh, reset that I do with my clients. So this is not a teaser. It includes everything about the process that I take my clients through. It's very uh, beefy. <laughs> it includes a workbook that goes along with it. So you can do the activities, everything. Um, and you can find that training at Your Life Architect dot com slash mind reset that's my company your life architect um dot com backslash mind reset all right i'll make sure i put that link in the show notes that's a long link nobody's gonna i know it is i know all the good ones were already taken uh, <laughs> you can also find me um on instagram if you want to connect my uh handle is uncage underscore me uncage me all right well, uh, Phoebe, thank you for being here, being on the show. This was a really interesting conversation. I love talks like this. This was this was great. Awesome. Thanks so much, Chris.